plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, our informational playground. Brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, I am Cynthia Bryan. All day, all the time. Happy to be here with you. So today's show, we have um, a plethora of information for you that we are going to be chatting about. First up, we're going to talk about planting for fire resistance and give you some of the plants that uh, would be good to plant as opposed to those that you don't want to plant. Because when you're planting a new garden or adding plants to an existing landscape, it is essential to be reminded that no plant is fireproof, that everything can and will burn if the temperature is hot enough. But um, we're going to try to give you some things for some fire retardation. Also, the states are opening back up. California is scheduled to open back up next week. And everyone is starting to ask, what's the new normal going to be like? And how can you plan for the future with the pandemic still lingering in other countries or still lingering even here. So we have to exercise caution and um, get vaccinated if you feel like that's what you need to do and enjoy the summer. And then finally, if you have been asked to be the executor of an estate, do you know what your fiduciary obligations and responsibilities are? It can be absolutely daunting overwhelming. And I can tell you from personal experience, it is a lot of work. So we want you to have the tools to do your very best. And we're going to be talking about all of that today. But the Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. The website is bethestarur.org. You can make a donation there. You can also go to btsya.org where you will be able to read book reviews, uh, literally thousands of different book reviews. If you would like to do, um, have, you know, help your kids or your teenagers get some good books. And uh, the book reviews are for young people, by young people, so it's a peer-to-peer, really good stuff there. So btsya.org or bethestarur.org. And this is from Henry Brooks Adams. A teacher affects eternity, and he can never tell where his influence stops. The reason I really like that, um, that quote, I think it, it is just so apropos, is uh, as an author... I get emails and letters so often um, from people that I do not know that will say how much the book has affected them in some positive way. Or as a coach and, and an acting teacher that I've been for the past many, many years. So now so many of this, my students are, you know, in their 30s 
and they I will get um, a note from them even if they're not using acting you know if they're not actors today they write to me to tell me how much acting has helped them in their life in whatever it is just get up and speak etc and it's always just gratifying and I can say that as well that the teachers that I had in my past have always really affected my performance in my present and my future so we can a teacher is just so so important and we can never tell where their influence will stop so to all the teachers out there congratulations and thank you for what you do so I um, am going to talk about fire retardant and fire resistant plants because Normally, the sound of weed whackers around uh, my property, you know, when I hear it on other people's property, it just disrupts the tranquility of living the soulful country life. But this year, when I hear it, I am really grateful for their constant buzzing. Because with the summer of historical dryness in front of us here in California, bringing a looming fire danger Cutting the grass on the hillsides, on paths, and in backyards is absolutely imperative. And I've been working on my property since early February, weeding, cutting, pruning, mulching, repairing, planting, everything literally in preparation for a hot, dangerous year. And I don't think I've ever had a year of this much work outside that has to be done. Um, it's just, it's rather frightening. And so I want to encourage you to walk through your landscape and make sure that you are ready for whatever disaster could transpire. And of course, um, you know, everyone wants to keep their community picturesque, but also it's important to be safe. So we will all play a part in protecting our precious land and lives if we plant the correct things and then um, also don't plant certain things. So um, today I just want to talk about um, what could be planted. So when planting a new garden or adding plants to an existing landscape, you really want to remember that absolutely nothing is foolproof, fireproof. Everything will burn. If it gets hot enough, you know, um, and the air is dry, it is things, everything will burn. So even if you buy a plant and the plant tag indicates that it's fire resistant or, um, you know, fire repulsing, it still has to be properly maintained, properly pruned, irrigated, spaced, and positioned in the correct locations, not only to thrive, but in order to protect your property. Now, plants that have been infested with pests or when plants get too old or when they're stressed, they become more flammable. And plants that are not nurtured could create a problem for other vegetation. So make sure whenever you purchase any plant that you inspect it very carefully. Now, there are three different defensible zones uh, that are called fire zones. And um, we're going to go over... We're going to go over the first two today here. So garden zone number one is called the defensible zone. And that is plants within 30 feet of any structure. 
And these plants all need to be considered for fire retardants. This is called Zone 1, the defensible space of your garden, which is able to withstand extreme heat and flying embers. So plants need to be watered thoroughly. Trees are preferably deciduous, and the leaves of plants will be moist, fleshy, and broad. Now, there are several ground covers that you can use in this area, and those ground covers could include any lawn grasses, as long as your lawns are watered, ajuga, and ajuga is good because it gets so thick it actually keeps the weeds away, isotoma, which I love, it's called blue star creeper, and I plant it in my lawns, you can add it to your lawns, and it has little tiny blue stars, of course I love stars, um, gazania, alyssum, moss, nasturgium, vinca, dwarf plumbago, and chamomile. Like right now, I have chamomile blooming in my hills, and it is just so pretty. And then when it dries, I will uh, cut the chamomile to make my chamomile tea, and then you just cut the plant down, and then it reseeds itself and comes back the following year. In zone one, which is your defensible zone, Perennials can include like acanthus, agapanthus, uh, virginia, canna, dusty miller, shasta daisies. These are all kind of common plants that everybody knows. Chrysanthemum, coreopsis, uh, foxglove ferns, geraniums, daylilies, impatience, hosta, penstemon, pelagonium. New Zealand flax, lamb's ear, calla lilies, and bird of paradise. And these are all flowers that I have in, that I grow in my garden as well. Now shrubs, roses, people may not think of roses as being a fire resistant, but rose is very good. So other shrubs, uh, privet, boxwood, camellia, fetinia, mock orange, gardenia, uh, hibiscus, pittosporum, azalea, rhododendron, lilac, viburnum, and even oleander. Now, just remember, oleander is poisonous. But um, and the other thing with oleander is, although it is a shrub that uh, is fire retardant, if it does burn, the fumes are toxic. So I I don't recommend planting it. Um, any place that is too close to the house. That's why you see them on freeways. It usually doesn't burn on the freeways. Some vines that you could plant would be clematis, trumpet vine, grape, jasmine, bower vine, or wisteria. And I just want to warn people about wisteria because um, I love it. It's beautiful, uh, but it can literally vine for miles. And when I say vine, I when you, when you think of a vine, you usually think of something that's twiggy that you could snap. But right now I'm in the process of repairing my deck. And the wisteria had grown all over uh, the top of the pergola. And in order to repair the deck, I've had to cut back wisteria. But as soon as I started cutting, um, it's like the vine sort of fell. And the trunk is probably six to seven inches in diameter. And it's, it's a very hard, like a tree trunk. 
So just know that once you get wisteria going, it twines up into your trees, fences, and um, as I've reported before on a show, that when we were writing Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, we got a story about a five-mile, one bush, one um, vine that was wisteria. That is really, really crazy. So um, some trees that are really good would be fruit trees, magnolia, maple, redwood, birch, pineapple, guava, dogwood, crepe myrtle, liquid amber, ornamental pear, and pepper tree. Now, there is a, an issue with ornamental pear um, is it can get a blight, and it's called a fire blight. And it, it doesn't usually kill the trees, but it turns all the leaves brown and they fall off and it's really ugly. So at this time, depending where you live, uh, be cautious about ornamental pear, even though it is a fire retardant thing. Um, that would be, it would be behoove you not to have it and have all the leaves fall out. Now, zone two is what we call the fuel break. And that would be from 31 feet to 70 feet from any structure. Now, I do realize that if you're living in um, the suburbs or in town, you may not have 70 feet from your structure. You may be, you know, you might only have five feet to the next house or something. But if you are in an area where you do have more area for landscaping or you're on a slope, um, you do need to be careful of this. There's a green belt area which is designed to halt the fire. You want to have that zone to be your fuel break, kind of not only defensible space, but a green belt. Plants in this area, they are the most fire retardant. They would have low fuels and high moisture content. And these plantings should be able to withstand some neglect, freezes, droughts, and even insect infestation, and still remain fire retardant. Now, ground covers, you don't want anything to grow over 18 inches, and trees and shrubs have to have space between them, so there's no fire laddering. And in general, although succulents and cactus may not survive a fire, they are probably the best at retarding one uh, because they have so much water content within them. So the ground covers would include, of course, like the succulents that I just told you, ice plant, yarrow, artemisia, morning glory, it's very low, um, coreopsis, Santa Barbara daisy, wild strawberry, gazania, osteospermum, which is an African daisy, clover and verbena and you will see that some of these plants duplicate themselves perennials include um, yarrow um, dusty miller california poppy iris guara euphorbia chrysanthemum coreopsis status candy tuff lupin red hot poker sage and yucca and then Zone two shrubs, again, succulents and cactus, pomegranate, rock rose, and you could have oleander here, there as well. Uh, the vines would be Virginia creeper, Lady Banks rose, and Lady Banks is a rose that has no thorns or minimal thorns, and it actually will climb into trees. It's an incredible vine, and it has these white blooms. Honeysuckle, nightshade, 
and uh, Senecio confusus. That those are all ones that are some good vines. The trees, a carob tree, that's like a chocolate tree. Strawberry tree, redbud, honey locust, Chinese pistache, California black oak, sumac, yucca, and Joshua tree. Uh, not too many places can grow Joshua trees, but in any case, they are fire retardant. Now, um, again, I just want to reiterate that no plant is 100% fireproof. And uh, the plants that I'm going to just give you a few of these plants, these are less likely to burn. And many of them are already listed for zones one and zone two. And if you want a full list, um, I will be posting probably this list on my website, CynthiaBryan.com, in my blog within the next few days. So I don't have it there yet, but I will post it because I do think that this is important information. So bulbs, all bulbs are going to be fire retardant, you know, tulips, daffodils, iris, hyacinth, freesia, etc. But you do have to cut the stalks to the ground when the leaves are dry. So some other ones, uh, redbud, sage, penstemon, heather, fuchsia, columbine, thyme, poppy, wild strawberry, uh, lavender, lantana, uh, society garlic, periwinkle, alliums, salvias, boxwoods, dogwoods, currants, aloes, calendula, and there's many, many more. But that it's just too many to read on the radio right now. Some good trees that you could plant in these areas would be horse chestnut, liquid amber, honey locust, crab apple the purple robe locust, fruit trees of all varieties, and um, because, again, deciduous trees are better, black oak, hawthorn, birch, aspen, poplar, maple. Um, manzanita is great as long as you prune out the dead wood. Walnut and California bay laurel and the California pepper. Now just remember again that uh, deciduous plants are going to be less flammable than evergreen, Gray and silver plants have a high mineral and ash content, which makes them more fire resistant. And vegetation with needles or fine, thin leaves is fla uh, flammable, like think pine trees, very flammable. And the more stored moisture a plant has, the more it can withstand a fire. So use less flammable types of mulch, like gravel or decorative rock or a combination of wood bark mulch and decorative rock to dress your garden to retain the moisture and deter the weed. Stay away from gorilla hair. That is highly, highly flammable. And to burn, fires need fuel. So if you remove the debris, planting and maintaining a fire retardant and fire resistant landscape, you cut down dead trees, you thin dried branches, you space, you prune, you water, you keep trees away from roofs, you will diminish your chance of ignition You'll lower the fire intensity and you will reduce the spread of the blaze. And that will give your home a better chance of surviving a fire. And best of all, you can still create a gorgeous oasis where you can entertain, relax, and socialize. So again, um, when, if you want to see uh, more of this information, check my website, CynthiaBryan.com, and check the blog you know, in a couple of days. 
And um, I will have it listed as, um, what will I have it listed as? Fire retardant plantings. That's what I'll put down. I'll put fire retardant and fire resistant plantings, and then you can get a full list. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I am your goddess gardener. And you can always um, read my columns in the La Mirinda Weekly newspaper and in other places as well. I will be back in a bit after a short break. In the meantime, just go to CynthiaBryan.com and check out some of the, some of the other uh, articles that I have written. I will be back. Don't you go away. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is called. Well, we are back. I'm not talking show business today, but I actually think all business is show business. (laughs) So um, we're going to be talking now about getting back to normal. But just one thing um, I just wanted to say is that you don't want fires to crawl um, because they're fueled by unkempt, low-lying vegetation you know, high grasses or mounds of leaves. So you definitely do want to get out your weed whacker and go to work and be fire safe. And that will help you have uh, a much happier summer. That's for sure. So getting back to normal, uh, we're excited here in California on June 15th, supposedly the the, um, mask wearing ban is being lifted but every employer and every business does have the right to you know still require it um indoor dining is going to be opening up a little bit more and all of that so people are excited about resuming old lives 
but there there is also some concern about are we doing it right are we doing it too soon i mean is there really a really getting back to normal at this time and you know spring is such a beautiful time of year it's a time of rebirth of renewal i mean the flowers are in bloom the birds are singing everything is a little bit greener but this year Spring is actually a little bit more special because this last year has been such a challenging and difficult one and such a sad one fighting the pandemic. And of course, people now are starting to see their their lives coming back. According to uh, CNN Health, as of today, um, the disease COVID-19 uh, they track COVID-19's global spread. The disease is spread to every continent except for Antarctica, and the case numbers are continuing to rise. And authorities in 220 countries and territories have reported about 175 million COVID-19 cases, 3.8 million deaths since China reported its first cases to the World Health Organization um, in December 2019. So you can actually go on um, websites and look at the you know number of cases, how many they are, what zones they're in. And the United States is still not doing so well. All in all, it says it has the United States has 33,409,336 cases and um, 10,178 per 100,000 people. So it's still really pretty high up there. So again, this is why there's that dilemma about are we opening this up too soon? So last year, we weren't focused on renewal, we were focused on survival. And we had to do everything we could to stay safe. We had to isolate ourselves in homes. So many businesses, uh, companies, we had to close down for months. Uh, many people who had never been on unemployment before were on unemployment. Uh, travel was either restricted or shut down. Schools shut down. Churches shut down businesses closed or or they moved online and so many people lost their jobs and if they couldn't work from home and then of course a lot of people were working from home so this last year really was uh, crazy and the battle isn't over but we are we are actually I I think getting to that place where we can maybe see a bright future. So we have to look forward to enjoying many of life's pleasures again. So many things that we took for granted before the pandemic, you know, getting together with family and friends, um, going out to dinner, going to the movies, going to a sporting event, going to a concert. Uh, how about the movie theaters. I know in some places they've been opened, like Josh in my in my engineer, my great engineer in Arizona. He's he's been able to go to the movies and stuff. Arizona's been a little bit different, but here it hasn't uh, quite been like that. Yesterday I had a handyman had came to my house to do some installation of something, and uh, he's fully vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated. 
And we finally got to hug. It's been, <laughs> and he's such a great guy. He's my favorite person. And I hadn't uh, been able to see him in over a, a year plus, you know. So it, that felt like back to normal. So the vaccine rollout is progressing. And there is enough vaccine to inoculate all the adults as of right now. And, um, and they're inoculating children up to, uh, from age 12 and above. And that's really fantastic because the, all these kids are eligible and they're actually having clinics and stuff at schools, at least here in California. And then so many states, as I said, are relaxing the capacity restrictions for public areas and private gatherings and houses of worship are returning to in-person attendance. And employers are gradually bringing workers back into their offices, although some have decided that um, it's okay to work from home, and some are offering that option to work from home. And last week on the show, I talked about if you have if this is something that has been good for you and you have actually shown progress in your work, then that's a great thing. And maybe you can continue to work from home or have kind of a flexible schedule where you work from home part time and go into the office or the company uh, um, place of work from other times. So um, if you want to find out ways to talk to your employer, listen to last week's show. So we are all very anxious to get back to our everyday life, put the pandemic behind us. I know it'd be great to travel again, to re-engage. Um, but there are these new variants of the coronavirus that are becoming very prevalent and we have to continue to exercise caution. So I'm still wearing a mask when I go out, uh, you know, washing my hands. I'm socially distancing as appropriate. Um, and if you've signed up for a vaccination, get it as soon as you possibly can. It, Even if it's psychological, I feel it just really, really helps. As I mentioned, you know, I have a new little granddaughter and it's just very exciting that I can now uh, go on a plane, if you can get a ticket, uh, at any price that you can afford. I can't even get over how expensive plane tickets are these days. Um, but, you know, I feel good that I will be able to hold her and hug her and uh, snuggle with her because I won't be, um, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated and her mom was vaccinated, so she has some immunity. So it's, you know, getting back to normal is going to pose some challenges, but I think we're up for it. And whether you're re-entering the job market or you want volunteer opportunities or you're looking for the latest news on how you can go visit your family and friends that might be in a nursing home, there is help in, out there. And so if you are having questions, make sure to reach out to your healthcare provider and ask for the facts. Uh, it's really important that we have the facts. And travel now is starting to open here in the United States. You know, there's, you can travel. I have friends that have just been in Iceland. Other friends that have been in Bermuda. I don't think Mexico was ever closed. I think you can still travel to Mexico, but if we remain diligent and re-engage in a self and healthy way, 
then hopefully we can all look forward to returning to some level of normalcy, you know, maybe this summer. But people do have some questions about um, how, you know, how to move forward. So I'm going to list some of those and we're going to, these are going to be um, answers that are not from me, but are from different experts from Harvard School of Public Health or from um, the CDC or from other doctors. I'll tell you who they're from. So one of them is, do I need to take special precautions when I take my grandkids out? And the answer is yes. Depending on the results of any vaccine trials and the availability of the vaccine, older children could receive shots in this summer, uh, but others aren't going to be able to get them until 2022. So if you're taking your grandkids, choose an outdoor activity like a hike um, over a visit to a crowded theme park and wear masks. And this is from the epidemiologists at the UCLA Fielding School of Public Health. They say that any venue that doesn't practice physical distancing for patrons should be off limits when you're taking your kids out. Now, what about going out to dinner, going to the movies, or going back to church? So um, this, is a, this is from um, another expert. Outdoor activities are still the safest. But this is also from uh, UCLA. But they say once you're vaccinated, you can dine indoors, you can go to the movies, and you can attend other indoor events relatively safely if establishments are following mask occupancy and distancing guidelines. They recommend not pushing the envelope. Don't go to crowded venues just yet because there is still. Uh, a widespread amount of cases of um, of the virus. And as for rejoining the choir, for now they say stick to singing in the shower <laughs> because there are super spreading um, events that have that have been connected to choirs. So I think stay away from singing together at the moment. Now what about road trips? Are they okay? Yes, if you're careful and you're mindful. Now, if you are vaccinated, um, you could, you know, you could drive and go see your your kids or your grandkids, or but you still have to have a carefully considered road trip with vaccinated friends if you're going to visit national parks. And I already talked about national parks um, a couple of times before, a couple of shows before, because. Um, there, there are restrictions, so check before you go. And while traveling in a car with other vaccinated people would be safe, you want to avoid a road trip with people who are not vaccinated since close quarters will, can increase the risk of infection. And I just saw, had a friend that um, I talked with yesterday who um, I had seen you know, in this past year, we had masks and we kept our distance and she seemed totally healthy. And it turns out that she did have COVID and now she is vaccinated, but she, um, she did have COVID. So, you know, you just, you don't know, sometimes you have no reaction to the COVID, but you could spread it to somebody else. 
So if some travelers in your group aren't vaccinated, the recommendation is that they would test for the coronavirus before the trip. They would wear masks when possible and then keep the car windows open. So that's kind of simple enough. Now, what about the 4th of July, having a family reunion or a friend reunion? That's coming up. So this is from the CDC. It recommends that you continue to avoid large in-person gatherings, and that is even if you are vaccinated. If you do get a group of family members together, have the vaccinated people serve the food, and if you aren't sure that all the guests have had their shots, then you should be wearing a mask, maintain physical distance, and eat your barbecue and have your picnic or whatever you're going to do, do it outside. It's also safer not to hug or to shake hands with unvaccinated people. So if you don't know if somebody is vaccinated or not vaccinated, just keep your distance. If you're choosing not to be vaccinated, just at least keep your distance and you'd be safer if you wear a mask. Now, the next question had to do with swimming in the outdoor community pool or at the beach. I thought that was a really good question. There's no evidence at this time that the virus spreads to people through water, and that's according to the CDC. So they say that you can go ahead and have your dip, do your laps, but keep a safe distance away from people because, again, it's the breathing. And um, if it's crowded, if the pool is crowded and everybody's splashing around, then it's probably better to avoid it. As for the beach, the risk of transmission uh, from going to the beach is so low, unless you are like in Europe, which you're probably not going to be right now, unless you're listening to me while you're in Europe right now. Um, but those beaches there, sometimes I I have never seen beaches so crowded as as the ones in uh, in. Um, both France and Holland and Belgium, all of this, it's crazy. They just seem to be cheek to jowl. And that isn't a pleasant beach experience to me anyway, but that's also um, very likely that you could get COVID that way. What about going to a baseball game or any outdoor concert? Well, as of April, the CDC is still recommending that even fully vaccinated people avoid medium to large crowds. So if you want to take a risk, you still need to physically distance. If you're seated close to others, they are saying wear a mask throughout the event and stay away from the concession stands and the restrooms if possible. Now, I don't know about you, but it's pretty hard to go to an event and stay away from the restrooms, much less the concession stands. So you you might want to bring your own food, uh, bring your own water for sure. Now, parks and trails, they are really getting crowded. My husband does a hike with his good friend every week, and um, he says he has never seen anybody wearing a mask on their hikes, but they're, they're crowded. So should you avoid these spots? Well, you know, it's really important to get outdoors and enjoy the sunshine and to exercise, but... If you're going to, if it's really crowded, it's probably still best to wear a mask or at least have it with you and maintain the physical distance. Because if there's um, a steady stream of hikers approaching you on the trail, then, you know, they could be breathing on you or singing on you or whatever they're going to do. So, um, yeah, 
probably just at least bring your mask. Now, what about going to the farmer's market and um, getting vegetables? Um, you know, even before vaccinations were widespread, the CDC said that the risk of virus transmission through food was really low. So um, when you buy, whether you go to the farmer's market or the grocery store or wherever, just just clean your produce as you normally would. Uh, shopping at an outdoor farmer's market is probably presenting less of a uh, an infection than indoor shopping, but you still want to maintain a safe distance from other shoppers. And when you're in the stores, you know, wear a mask. Uh, now, again, here in California, or here where I am in California, I can't speak for all of California, but in certain areas of California, the you can't even go into the store without a mask. So, but like in Southern California, uh, I, I, the people in the store, the workers in the store was, weren't wearing masks and nobody was requiring masks in some parts of Southern California. Now, what about deep cleaning? If you have a, you know, like an Airbnb that you rent this summer, do you need to bring your own chemicals or vinegar or whatever and do a deep clean? Probably not. Hopefully, whatever you rent is going to already be clean. And there really isn't too much worry about catching the virus from touching a surface. But Probably, if you're going to clean anything, do the light switches, the faucets, and the remote controls. They, from uh, studies, have shown that the remote controls are those are the three things that are always the dirtiest. And then, if you've been working remotely and your company now says you need to report back to work, is it going to be safe to return? And what should you expect? Well, if you're fully vaccinated and your two weeks have passed since your final shot you can probably return to work safely. But you want to do a verify that your workplace has good ventilation and is providing enough um, distance, you know, or space between coworkers. And it should have some arrangements made to have high-touch surfaces cleaned frequently. And if you're in doubt, you know, shout it out. Ask, ask for um, more clarification or more help in that respect. I mean, you know, you, um, you work to live. You don't live to work. And so uh, you want to live. Well, you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I will be back in a bit. And we're going to talk about how to be an executor of a will or an estate. And that's a hard one. Star Style, be the star you are. Visit us at starstyleradio.com. Cynthia Bryan, I'll be back. Don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Are you looking to grow your business since your business has probably been slow? Well, in order to grow your business, we have a few tips that experts agree can help it happen. The business is only able to grow as fast as your people grow. Work hard on growing your people. When you increase their capacity, you increase the impact of their performance. Decide what you want to be the best in the world at and then focus your energy on that. 
strategically look at what is working for you and do more of it. Stop doing what isn't working. Make reading and personal development a major part of your daily routine. Work harder on yourself than you do on your job, and then your job performance will grow as you grow. Create success systems for everything you do, and even the little things. You won't have to put out the same fire twice. And build your business on integrity and principles. Success is not only about us, but also about what we can do for others. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business fight from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are, the star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of showbiz. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling. Well, I appreciate you staying with me. This is a really important topic to discuss, and that's how to be a good executor. I know that when my mom died, um, I, am the, I was named the executor of our family, um, you know, in their will and, and their uh, living trust many years ago for my mom and dad. And I really had no idea what a big, big job it it was. I mean, it literally was a full-time job for a couple of years. So, you know, the wave of people that have been prompted to write their wills or to get a living trust because of the COVID-19 pandemic is creating yet another wave of estate planning. But all people really need to create a will. I mean, we never know what's going to happen to us. And I don't think any of us want any of our savings, even if it's 20 bucks, you know, to go to um, to Uncle Sam just because nobody was the executor. So people who have to put these wills and living trusts into effect are called executors. And 
Usually it's relatives or friends who are designated as the final administrator of a deceased person's estate. Now, if you agree to serve as an executor, you probably know the outlines of the task you face, but maybe you don't. I mean, I know that um, my parents made me the executor of the family, and I was never told what I was going to have to do, (laughs) but it was a lot. And so some of the things you have to do is you have to close accounts, you have to inventory assets, you have to distribute whatever their bequests were. And even if it's a relatively simple situation, you know, like, for example, a spouse dies and leaves everything to the other spouse, the paperwork is absolutely daunting. And when it gets more complicated, like when the widow dies and then there's lots of children and assets, then there's more, there's much more. And then if somebody dies and they have grandchildren or they have great grandchildren or there's a feud, it is, can be really complicated. It's not an easy job. The paperwork can exceed your worst expectations. I have to say that just for my mom's, I had something like eight big, you know, file boxes. And then I had to make all these different binders. And it was, it was really, really, um, I was like, where do I put all this stuff? You know, it was, the human side was very difficult. And then there is the emotional side too. You have to pacify impatient heirs. Sometimes you have to mediate domestic squabbles. So taking on this role is a true sign of devotion. Now, sometimes you can get paid for the work, but it is primarily a labor of love. Uh, If you work through an attorney, I think an attorney will tell you that there's like a small percentage that you of an estate that you could be entitled to. You don't have to take it. But let me tell you, it does become a job. So you may want to consider it your full-time job. So here are some steps that can ensure that when the time comes, if you are going to serve, um, you honor the deceased, serve his or her heirs, and you do your job as efficiently as possible. So talk it over. To ensure you understand the will writer's wishes or the estate, you want to ask that person to be specific about what she wants, uh, how she wants things to happen after the death. I mean, it's a difficult conversation to have. Nobody wants to talk about death, but it really is important to you know, to at least get some idea because that way you can be be prepared for surprises. Uh, Maybe the person wants to leave assets to us, you know, to a former lover or a current one, or one of several children, children might be excluded. And if you're, if you're worried now, it will be really hard for you after you have to read the last will and testament and then explain what to the people who are not included or, uh, or the money's going somewhere else. I mean, it can be really terrible. So start the paperwork. When a person, uh, upon a person's death, nothing can happen until you locate the will. You have to have the original copy, not, I mean, the, the original, not a copy. So you need to file the will and the death certificate with the probate court. 
in order to obtain a letter of testamentary, which recognizes you as the executor. And this is a required step before you can take any action on behalf of the estate. Now, this is something that's really important. You need to order at least a dozen extra certified copies of the death certificate. And you may need more than 20, depending on how big the estate is. And you need those copies for all kinds of tasks. You need to cancel the credit cards. Maybe you have to sell the home. You have to transfer the title of a car. You might have to turn off utilities. It is really hard to get more death certificates after the fact. So just order them in advance. And I don't remember exactly how much they are, but it's better to get them in advance. And then safeguard property. You know, you don't want a vacant house because that can attract thieves. They scan the obituaries and relatives and neighbors can act badly too. I mean, you just want to lock it up because you don't want somebody to come with a U-Haul that even could be a child or a stepchild or a spouse. And then create an organization system. So prepare for administrative hassles to add up. Duties like maintaining and selling the house, stopping Social Security, settling any debts, closing the financial accounts. And then, of course, you have to meet all the tax filings. So it's like running another life. And to keep costs down and maximize efficiency, you really need to start a detailed to-do list and really maintain meticulous notes. My best advice is to hire an attorney if, um, if you're the estate doesn't already have one. Because you will save on professional fees by doing a lot of the administrative work yourself. And that can result in more assets for you. But the, if you, there's any questions, it's best to have an attorney uh, that, well, you hire an attorney, they pay, you pay him for initial consultation, and then find out what um, the liability would be because you don't want to have to be giving money back and brace yourself for conflicts. I mean, closing out an estate is more than a financial and legal. You have to manage the emotions of the heirs who might be your siblings. And most of the, the conflict um, is coming from mistrust. So five things to tell your future executor. Tell them where the original where the will is, whom to notify, like list people that you want the executor or family who may not think to tell or to reach, like doctors, employers, clubs, all of those people need to be told uh, that you have died. You want to have your passwords. So make a list of your passwords and access codes for your email and social media and other online accounts and for cell phones and computer and provide instructions about how to handle the accounts and devices because you don't want your executor to be uh, able to access this while you're alive, but you have to have, give the passwords to somebody you trust and specify who's going to get what. Like people will argue over a teapot. They'll argue over a recipe or a memento. And if there's any secrets that are hidden anywhere, you should tell the executor. I mean, you don't want all those skeletons that are in your closet to come out, you know, in the love letters <laughs> that are after your death. So those are just a few things. But I'm sure if you hire a good, um, a, a good uh, attorney and you should have an accountant as well, then you're going to be all right. Well, thank you for staying with me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, being with me every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. 
We hope that we bring you edutainment and information that can change your life and make your dreams come true. For information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit bethestarur.org. And more information about Star Style, visit cynthiabryan.com. To make um, a donation, again, to Be The Star You Are, just go to btsya.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. And until we celebrate right here on the Voice America Network Live next week, remember, love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self and have a wonderful week. Be back here with me next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Until then, ciao for now. Be the star you are. The star you It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.